Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, well, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. And I also want to welcome you if you're joining us for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. And if that's you today, I want to ask you to do us a favor and uh, fill out our Connect card to get connected with us. There's a few ways that you can do this. It's very simple. Uh, You can pull out your phone camera and point it to that uh, QR code on the screen behind me. You can text the word guest to that number there, or if you received a bulletin on your way in, there's a little uh, piece that you can tear out there and put some information on and drop it uh, in the plates as you leave today. We just wanna get some information from you so that we can get connected with you and serve you uh, the best way that we can. And we're also going to go ahead, I'm going to give you our fourth verse uh, that we're doing with the Bible Memory Project this week. If you want to get uh, these verses texted to you each Monday, you can text the word Bible to our number there on the screen. But this verse uh, for this week is Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and this is what it says. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Again, the idea behind this Bible memory project that we're doing this year is that you'll have a piece of scripture to study and read and revisit throughout the week, and I hope you're enjoying that. We're going to be doing this uh, for a while here. But today we're in the the final week of this series. We're going to wrap this up uh, that we started on the first of the year called Spiritual Habits, and we've been talking about... Uh, the importance and the privilege of spending time with God every day. Uh, And since week one, I've reminded you of this plan or this outline that you can use for that time. And I want to give it to you one more time today. It starts with adoration. And this is where we worship God, we praise him. And then after we do that, we move on to confession, which is where we confess our sins to God in very personal terms. Uh, Then there's meditation, and this is the part of our time where we open our Bibles and we fill our minds with God's Word. Remember, this is just a few verses at a time. It's not necessarily about the the quantity of the verses that you're reading. It's about the quality of your focus on them or your ability to apply them to your life. And then there's Thanksgiving where we give God thanks, and this uh, part of our time changes our attitudes, our perspective. And then there's supplication, which is what we're going to talk about today. And this is where we pray for our needs, we pray for the needs of others, and we close with declaration, where we declare those truths that we've just learned over our lives. And the more we declare them, the more we believe them, and the more we believe them, the more they impact our lives. All right? So I'm thoroughly convinced that if you can find 10 minutes out of your very busy day to meet with the God of the universe, the rest of your day, the rest of your life is going to be different because of it, all right? I I really believe it. These 10 minutes, it will change your life. Will it fix your circumstances? Probably not. This isn't necessarily gonna make life easier for you, but God is going to use this time with him to mold you and shape you and change you into the person that he created you to be. So it changes everything. And today, as we wrap this up, we're gonna focus on the prayer part. We're gonna talk about supplication. And my goal today is to kind of make some very 
simple minor adjustments to our outlook or our perspective on prayer. Uh, But supplication is probably a church word, right? This isn't a word that we use very often in this life, but we do use it in church to talk about what it means to ask God for things. It means to beg, all right? Now, I don't really like that definition, so from the beginning, I've defined it as to ask passionately. That's supplication. It's where we acknowledge before God that we are indeed helpless, in the sense that we're not able to fix all of our own problems. We can't make it through this life on our own. We need him. We depend on him. So when we ask him, we trust that in his good nature, that he welcomes us, even when we feel helpless or hopeless. In those moments, we get to pray and ask God for things, all right? So when it comes to the supplication, part of our quiet time with God, there are really two components of this in addition to the listening that we talked about before. But there are these two components. One is where we ask God for the the things in our lives that we need, all right? And the other component is where we ask God for the things that are happening in other people's lives. And here's the thing. He wants to hear both, okay? And it's not selfish to pray for your own needs. God tells us to do so, right? Jesus gave us this perfect model for prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And in this prayer, he included this phrase, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, we're saying to God, I have needs today. I need your provision today. I need your protection today. It's an expression and a posture of dependence and humility. And it's sharing with God what's on our minds. And it's not a surprise to him, okay? Whatever it is that you're thinking right now, it's not a surprise to him. In other words, we're not hiding anything from God. We're not hiding our thoughts from him. We're not hiding our needs from him. We're not hiding our hurts, our concerns, our struggles. We're coming to God and we're saying, God, I need you to move in my life. I need you to do some things for me. And I'm gonna trust you with the outcome. This is supplication, okay? And it's not selfish at all. It's coming to God and believing that he wants to hear from us. And with that, there's not a request that we could make of him that would seem outlandish or silly to God if it's a genuine need in your life, right? If it's on your heart, if it's concerning you, if it's bothering you, if it's discouraging you, if it's making you anxious, if it's making you worry, God wants to hear about it, all right? And nothing is too big or too small to talk to him about. The second component then is praying for the needs of other people. And the New Testament gives us a word for this and the word is intercession. And this is essentially where we go to God on behalf of other people. And the Bible tells us that he responds to this, that he responds to intercession. In other words, when I pray for the needs of other people, God gets involved in their situation, all right? So like I told you from the beginning, I have a long list of people that I'm praying for. And as I work my way down this list, I see their face in my mind and I remember their needs and I pray to God for them, all right? So we're gonna talk about prayer. And I believe that prayer is powerful. We're not gonna talk today necessarily about how to pray, okay? We're gonna talk about the importance of prayer, the privilege of prayer, and we're gonna make some adjustments to our perspective and our expectations about prayer. But the reality is prayer is a powerful force from heaven. And it's a gift that God has given us, okay? It's not lip service. It's not therapeutic. 
It's not just a coping mechanism. Prayer is literally talking to God. The active, living, powerful God who wants to be involved in our lives. And when I ask him for things, he responds. Now, he might not answer all the time the way that you want him to, right? But I truly believe that something changes every time I pray. So when there's something going on in my life or in the life of someone else, I pray about it. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a family issue or an issue in a relationship. Someone is hurting, walking through something difficult. We pray about these things. We talk to God about these things. We say, Lord, I really need to share this with you. This is what's on my heart. And we present these requests to God the way scripture tells us to. And then we trust him with the outcome. The problem is, as finite creatures living in a world where we see and touch and hear and smell and taste with our senses, it's often very hard for us to believe things that are beyond our senses. In other words, it's very easy for us to forget just how powerful prayer is, okay? Now, the good news is we're not alone in that. If we were rewind 2,000 years, the early church struggled with this exact same thing. If you go all the way back to the book of Acts, you'll find countless examples of moments when the early church was praying about something. First century Christians, they prayed about everything, okay? They were constantly praying. Chapter after chapter after chapter, they were praying. In chapter one of Acts, they were in the upper room praying. In chapter two, they were praying through Pentecost. In chapter four, they were under persecution and they were praying. Chapter after chapter after chapter. And there's one story that I really, really love because it reminds me of us. In Acts chapter 12, there's this passage where Peter's in prison, okay? And the church begins to pray for God that Peter would be released, that God would release him from prison. And they're gathered together just like we are here this morning. And they're storming the gates of heaven, asking God to set Peter free when all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. And guess who it is? It's Peter. Because God let him out. God released him. So this sweet little lady goes to get the door and opens the door. And when she sees that it's Peter, she slams the door. And she runs back into the church and she says, you're not gonna believe this. Somebody's at the door. And he looks just like Peter. (laughs) And what did the church say? No, it's not Peter. He's in prison. They prayed to God for Peter to be released. And when God released Peter, they didn't believe it was him because they had forgotten how powerful prayer is. And the same thing happens to us. We pray about a need in our life and that need gets met and we think it's circumstantial and we forget to go back and thank God. Now, I think we struggle with prayer probably because of the unfair expectation that we put on prayer because it creates a burden in us when we don't see the answers from God that we want to see. We have to remember God's plans are bigger than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are better than our ways. We pray to God and a part of that is trusting him with the outcome, all right? So here's what I want us to believe today, that God is extremely patient with our tiny little bit of faith and he wants to watch it grow in us, okay? 
Here's what I mean. When the early church in Acts didn't believe that it was Peter standing at the door, God didn't say, I'm done with you. I answered your prayer and you don't even believe it, so I'm finished with you. God didn't do that. He kept working in their lives. He kept moving through this church. When Peter, with a tiny little bit of faith, stepped out of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus, then sank into the water when he took his eyes off of Jesus, we read that story and we immediately think that Jesus was disappointed in Peter. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus was disappointed in Peter. We just read that into the story because that's what we've always been taught. Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. And we read that with a sense of disappointment. Man, he really let Jesus down. But that could maybe not be the case at all. Jesus could be saying, look at your little bit of faith. You got out of the boat. You took a step of faith. You did it, right? We don't know. Jesus said, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And God can take that little tiny bit of faith that we have and grow it in us. So no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, no matter how easy it is for you to surrender to him and trust in him, in the grand scheme of things, I'm willing to bet for every single one of us that our faith is smaller than it should be. And in regards to my own faith, I'd like to think that I have pretty strong faith. I feel like I have a lot of faith. I feel like I really do trust God and I believe in him. But when things happen in my life, I quickly realize that my faith has a lot of growing to do. That I have a lot of room to grow in my faith. And I know I'm not the only one. But I love how God takes my tiny little bit of faith and he stretches it, and he grows it, and he walks with me through difficult times, and he teaches me how to trust him more, all right? So I want to look at another story from the early church in Acts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn me to Acts chapter 4. We have an event in the YouVersion Bible app you can also follow along with, but we're going to take a look at this story, and we're just going to learn a few things from the early church about prayer. Acts chapter 4. Now, this is a moment where Different people were just released from prison. Acts chapter four, verse 23, it says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Notice they're starting with adoration and worship. They're starting with singing. Here's what they say. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Adoration, praising God. Now we're gonna see them go into meditation and they're gonna look back at something in God's word. In this passage, they're quoting a psalm and they're basically saying, God, you spoke in this psalm and here's what you said. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to 
your will. So we're seeing a pattern here. They're praising, they're worshiping, they're looking to the word of God, adoration, meditation. They're remembering what he's done and now they're gonna start making their requests. And here's what they're requesting, okay? They're about to walk through some difficult times. They're about to be persecuted in the worst of ways. So here's what they ask. They say, and now, Lord, hear their threats. The people who crucified Jesus are coming after us. Give us, your servants, great boldness. Everybody say boldness. Boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they're asking God for boldness. They're asking for miraculous signs and wonders. They're asking for healing. They place these needs before God and they ask him to respond. And they're asking on the basis of what they already know to be true about God, that he's sovereign, that he's in control, and that he's spoken about his will. So they're saying, we trust in you, and we're asking for boldness. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. What did God do? He answered their prayer. He made them bold. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and, the God, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in need. So they ask God for boldness, for healing, for the miraculous to occur. And what we're going to see in the following chapters is that God gave them boldness. It already says they began to preach the word of God with boldness. And they're only going to get bolder, right? He works miracles in and around them. And these great and wonderful things occur and people are healed. This is what you find in the next chapters. All kinds of incredible and powerful things happen in response to the prayer that they prayed. But I want to point out something about this prayer that I think will challenge how we handle prayer. I think that we have a hard time praying sometimes because of the expectation that we put on prayer that is very unfair. Here's what prayer was intended to be. Prayer is the means by which we are able to communicate with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is the reason we're able to communicate with him. It's not about bending his ear to my will. It's about molding my will to his. And when we pray, he responds. But some of us still approach the idea of prayer with this in mind. Well, if I'm going to believe in the power of prayer, then I have to know that it works. I don't want to have doubt. I don't want to have question. I don't want to take the risk of putting myself out there. So if I ask God for something and he doesn't come through, then I'm going to quit praying. I'm done praying. And we start to feel a sense of discouragement. We start to feel a sense of disappointment. And we say, it's great that we read stories like this in Acts chapter four, but I pray every single day and I don't feel like God's doing anything 
in my life. There's a big truth about prayer that we're going to unpack today, and it's this, all right? Buckle your seatbelts. Prayer does not fix everything. Now, that probably sounds pretty funny coming from me, doesn't it? (laughs) You're supposed to tell us it does. Come on, you're a preacher, right? You're supposed to tell us that prayer does fix everything. But it doesn't. For example, the apostles that we just read about, they were released from prison and they immediately prayed for boldness and God gave them boldness. If you turn the page to the next chapter, they prayed for protection. But even though they prayed for protection, they were arrested again and again and again. And even though they prayed for protection, most of them died because of their faith. Most of them died as martyrs because of their faith. They prayed for protection, but they died as martyrs. Prayer didn't seem to fix that. I bet we've all had something that we've prayed for. God, I have this struggle in my life and I need this fixed. Then we wake up the next morning and it's not fixed. It's very easy for us in that moment to think, well, then why do I even pray? Why does it even matter? I barely have any faith as it is. (laughs) It's not working. And after a while, we start to believe that. Prayer doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. If you knew just how much prayer mattered to God, there would be no question as to whether or not it would be a habit in your life. If you knew just how much God believes in prayer, you'd be praying all day long because prayer is a powerful thing. The problem is we've convinced ourselves that prayer doesn't make a difference. We've convinced ourselves that prayer doesn't matter. You might be thinking, yeah, it's great. I pray because I know I have to. I pray because it's a duty I have to fulfill. And over time, our hearts cease to be amazed at the fact that we are able to communicate with God and we quit praying because we believe it doesn't do anything. We believe it doesn't make a difference. It certainly doesn't fix everything. It doesn't fix my circumstances. It doesn't make me healthy. It doesn't make me rich. It doesn't make my life any easier. So why does it even matter? Prayer does not fix everything. But prayer does change everything. Now you might be thinking that's the same thing. No, it's not. I'm not done. Prayer does not fix all the things I want fixed but it changes everything about the situation. For example, if I pray like Paul prayed and ask God to remove something from my life that's really bothering me, God might not do it. He might not remove that thing. That problem might stick around. That annoying, faith-destroying, challenging problem, it might not go anywhere. It might be a person. that you're struggling with. It might be your condition in terms of your mental health or your physical health. It's the thing that you just pray that God would take away and you've prayed about it a hundred times. You pray that God will fix it, but he doesn't. So you quit praying about it and your faith is weakened. But if you start to look back, you'll quickly understand that while prayer may not fix everything, it certainly does change everything. Prayer makes it different. 
We pray about things and we say, God, I really need you to do this for me. I really need you to fix this for me. I really need you to take this away, make it disappear. And God might say, all right, we can solve this problem, but we're gonna do it my way. And you're gonna have to grow and you're gonna have to change and you're gonna have to mature and it's gonna hurt along the way. You're gonna come out with some cuts and some bruises. It's gonna get worse before it gets better, but I'm pruning you. I'm working in your life. It's gonna take some time, but you're going to be better on the other side. Listen, we're constantly looking for a quick fix for all of our problems. We want God to to wave his hand and fix it all. And we want prayer to do that for us. But when prayer doesn't fix it, our faith just gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And eventually we quit praying, all right? The point of prayer is not to fix it all. The point of prayer is to communicate with God. The point of prayer is to change my heart so that as I walk through this difficult thing, I'm growing. I'm coming out different on the other side. I'm more mature. I've grown. My faith is stronger. My attitude has changed. My heart is different. So the thing that I'm walking through that I used to think would destroy me Now I'm seeing it as an opportunity. Now I'm seeing it as a challenge that God is trying to grow me. Prayer changes our minds. It changes the way we perceive it. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God can't fix things. I'm not saying that God doesn't fix things. There are times when he steps in and instantly and miraculously changes things in the moment in ways that cannot be explained. But does he always do that? No. You know, we all come from different backgrounds and we all have different opinions on things, especially when it comes to prayer. For example, if you're sick and you're asking for prayer, one group of believers might say something like, well, if you just have enough faith, God will heal you. But if you don't have enough faith, he's not gonna heal you. I don't think that's true. Others come from a background that says, well, he just doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't get involved in our situations anymore. He doesn't heal people. He doesn't move. He doesn't work. There's no more. These are both extremes. And like always, an extreme is not a safe place to be. But in the middle of these extremes is a biblical faith that says, I believe that God is able to heal miraculously in this moment. But I also know that even if he doesn't, I can still trust him because he knows better than I do. And he's working in our lives, even when we don't know it or see it or feel it, just like we sang, right? So when people ask me to pray for them about their health or a situation in their life, I always pray that God will answer in big and quick and miraculous ways. And we should pray like that. But when we say amen, we're acknowledging that even if God doesn't answer that prayer the way we asked him to answer, that we can still trust him and that it's still going to be okay because he's still working. The Bible says he works everything out for our good and for his glory. Paul, again, had this thorn in his side, okay? Somebody asked me this week, not someone here, it's okay. What do you think that thorn was? Everybody loves to argue about this. 
The truth is we don't know. The bigger truth is it doesn't matter. (laughs) Some say it could be a temptation. Some say it could have been something physical like malaria. It doesn't matter. We don't need to try to conclude things that the Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know what the thorn was, but we know that it was there. And we know that it was a problem. And we know that Paul asked God to remove it over and over and over again. Paul asked God to fix this situation over and over and over again. And what did God do? He said, I'm not removing it. I'm not fixing it. You're going to learn by carrying this thorn that my grace is sufficient for you. So we can pray and believe that God can, yes, and sometimes will, yes, work in immediate, unquestionable, miraculous ways. But when he doesn't, he's still changing things. He's changing you. He's changing me. He's challenging us. He's giving us an opportunity to come to the same understanding that Paul came to, that his grace is enough for you. He's changing our church. He's changing our our culture. He's changing the situation. He's changing the hearts of people. Prayer does not fix everything, but it changes everything. So why should I pray? Here's why. Because God chose prayer to be the means by which we enact real and lasting change in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Prayer changes everything. So we should pray confidently every day, knowing that when we pray that God's doing something, that he's changing my heart, that he's growing me, that he's adjusting my perspective, that he's adjusting my attitude. He always gets involved because that's what he promised to do. He'll either take away your thorn or he'll teach you how to lean more into his grace. He'll either fix your fleshly issue or he'll teach you how to overcome temptation. Sometimes he fixes it, sometimes he doesn't. Either way, when you talk to him, you're growing closer to him and he's changing your life. I think about this early church praying in Acts chapter four. They started just like we do, adoration, worshiping God, reading his word, making requests. They requested that Peter would be released from prison and he was, God answered their prayer. He showed up and they couldn't believe it. God broke the chains off of Peter and he was released from prison. They prayed for boldness. God gave them boldness. He answered their prayer. They preached his word, the Bible says, with boldness. They worked together as a church to meet the needs of one another. They served the Lord boldly. Then they prayed for protection because of the persecution. And at that time, many of them died because of their faith. So regardless of whether or not God fixes the circumstance you're walking through and praying for, He's working either way. He's responding either way. We have to remove our unrealistic expectation of prayer that it fixes everything. Because if that's what we expect, then when it doesn't happen, our faith is going to suffer. Instead, wake up every day and talk to God knowing that your conversation with him is going to be fruitful because it's always fruitful. It might not necessarily be the fruit that you're looking for in that moment. It might not necessarily be the quick and easy fix that you desire, but there will always be fruit 
as a result of me talking to God because he promised to work powerfully in response to our prayer. And that encourages us to get up every day and pray and trust God. You can pray about something and ask God to fix it and he might, or he might redirect you and grow you instead. He might teach you instead. He might prune you instead. He might purify you as you walk through the fire instead of putting the fire out. There are three things that could happen, three scenarios, three situations, and I want you to follow these closely with me. The first one is that we can pray about it and God fixes it, all right? And again, I believe that he can and that he sometimes does do that. We can pray about it and he fixes it. Here's the second option. We can pray about it and God doesn't fix it the way we want him to, but he still works and still changes us and still answers our prayer. He might not take the throne away, but he'll teach you that his grace is sufficient for you instead, all right? So we can pray about it and he fixes it, or we can pray about it and he doesn't, but it's going to be okay and he's still good. And here's the third one. The third one is you don't pray about it. Your circumstance doesn't get fixed and you don't grow or change. Pity party. Those are your options. You can pray and God can fix it. You can pray and he won't, but he grows you instead. Or you can choose not to pray and allow your faith to wither away. Here's what it all comes down to. If you walk away with nothing else today, let this be the one. You need prayer more than you need the answer to prayer. And that's true. C.S. Lewis said, sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer that we pray, that we're asking him to answer because he himself is the answer. We need prayer more than we need the answer to prayer. Sometimes God is the answer to our prayer. You might ask him, God, can you remove this thorn from my side? And he might say, no, I can't, but you're going to get closer to me as you walk through this pain. You're gonna grow in your faith. Listen, without prayer, you're not going to grow closer to God. If you don't develop this habit of prayer in your life, your faith is going to wither away. Listen, you can read the entire Bible over and over and over again. And you can know all that there is to know about God. But if you don't know God, it's good for nothing, right? You can collect all the facts. You can memorize all the verses. You can go on Amazon, order some commentaries, read them, study them. If you wanna grow in your faith, here's what makes you grow more than anything else. Spend time with God. That's the whole point of this series. You wanna know God? You wanna grow in your relationship with him? Spend time with him. Find 10 minutes of your busy schedule to meet with the God of the universe. He wants you to know him. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear from you. He loves you. And when you come to him, he wants to hear what's on your mind. He wants to know what's on your heart. And even when you feel like you're not getting the answer that you're looking for, we have the promise from scripture that God is always at work in our lives. Listen, he doesn't go to sleep. He doesn't fade away. He doesn't clock out at five o'clock. He wants to hear from you. 
If you want to grow in your faith, spend time with God. Read his word, talk to him. It's significantly easier than we make it out to be. But if you don't spend time with him, if you don't read his word, if you don't pray, then you're not going to grow in your faith. You're not going to grow closer to God. So my simple challenge for you as we wrap up this series and move on to something else is this. Spend 10 minutes of your day with God. 10 minutes every day. Read his word, pray, make this a daily habit in your life and it will change everything for you. And if you miss a day, don't live in shame. Just start over again tomorrow. But don't let that one day become two days. And then before you know it, it's been a week. And before you know it, it's been a month. And we're not praying and we're not growing and we're withering away instead. I truly believe it. Spending time with God has the power to, to, and the potential to absolutely change every part of our lives. And now we have a fresh perspective on it. Now we have a fresh attitude on it, how to pray, how to, how to spend this time. It's not meant to be a fix for our problems. Prayer is the central core of our relationship with God that he invites us to come to him and talk to him and hear from him. What a privilege. So whatever it is that you've been praying about for a long time and you're beginning to get frustrated, maybe you've been frustrated for years. You've been asking and asking and asking and you're not getting an answer. Listen, keep praying. Even if you don't see God working the way you want him to, keep praying because he is working. Keep praying because he is changing things. Whether or not you see it right now, you'll know it in eternity. I believe we'll get to heaven and there'll be a moment where we all laugh and say, I get it now, right? (laughs) It might be difficult today because our perspective is so limited, but keep on praying. Keep on believing he's at work. Keep on believing that he's changing you because he changes things in response to our prayer. So you might be walking through a deep, dark valley right now, but I believe that weeks from now, Months from now, years from now, maybe not until eternity. But at some point, you're going to look back and you're going to realize just how much you grew. You're going to look back and you're going to realize just how much God changed you. When all you wanted in the moment was a quick fix, instead, he was fixing you. He was growing you. He was molding you and shaping you into the person he created you to be. Don't give up on prayer. You need prayer more than you need the answer to prayer. Pray, trust God with the outcome, trust in his perfect plan and find time to spend with him. All right, let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. We pray, God, that you would give us a greater understanding of just how powerful prayer really is. Help us to see prayer the way you see it. We no longer want to take for granted the great privilege that we have of being able to communicate with you through prayer. So we pray, God, that you would give us a greater desire to pray. And we ask that as we pray that you would strengthen our faith 
that you would remind us of the ways that you're working in our lives, even when we might not see it or feel it or realize it. God, help us to take everything that we've talked about for these last four weeks and apply it directly to our lives. Help us to continue to develop the habit of spending time with you every day. Give us a greater desire to be in your presence. And we pray that you would use that little bit of time that we spend with you to change us. We pray that you'd lead us with your word, that you would remove our anxiety as we cast our cares on you in prayer. Mold us, shape us, transform us, use us. Help us to reprioritize our schedules in such a way that we're not too busy for an appointment with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you're still at a place in your life where you feel like you're not quite worthy to come before God, to enter into his presence. You feel like it's just too late and you've gone too far. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. God is ready to welcome you into his presence because Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that he lived the perfect life that we could not live because we're broken and we fall short, but he did not inherit the sinful nature that we did and he lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of our sin is death. And we were destined to pay that debt, but Jesus stepped in and took our place on the cross and died the death that we deserve to die. And he was buried in a tomb, but he rose from the dead to give us new life. And the Bible tells us that if you call on his name, he'll save you. That's the message of the gospel. And if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me, church. Let's make this our prayer together today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.